0: you <laughs> Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, February 18th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, we reached out to our subscribers on the front row message board on Bucknuts, and they have a lot of great questions and topics for us. Let's hit on as many as we can get to. First one comes from Buckeye4527. He says, it's the last play of the game. You need a touchdown to win the game. Are you calling for a running play? If you're calling for a running play, I think he means: Do you want to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott, Maurice Clarett, J.K. Dobbins, or Eddie George? What do you got, Jay Book?
1: In this situation, uh, I think the question will probably be: Are we on the one-yard line with the game on the line? Um, because if we're if we're deep in territory, then you know you need to make a play. Then that's a different scenario. So if if we're talking about goal line. Stand here, one play to go to win the game. You know, two seconds, three seconds left to go in the clock. In this situation, Dave, I'm going with Eddie George. Let him get those pads lowered. The big guy, you know, six, six, three running back. I know I was thinking about Zeke because Zeke has always been the surefire guy that's going to make a play for you. But when it comes to game on the line and we need to get that one yard, give me the big fella, Eddie George. Plowing in to, to win the game for the Buckeyes?
0: I love this question. You could not go wrong with any four of these legends, although I would put J.K. Dobbins fourth. I had to think between the three, and you could not go wrong with Ezekiel Elliott, Maurice Claret, and Eddie George. I'm going Mo Claret. I, I've never seen a guy he, he had the power and he had the shiftiness. He's a little more shiftiness than Eddie does, like in, in small windows. I mean, you couldn't go wrong with Zeke. You couldn't go wrong with most and you couldn't go wrong with Eddie George. You really probably couldn't, couldn't go wrong with J.K. Dobbins. But give me Maurice Claret in a situation like that. All right, J. Book, you're going to love this one. This is from Miami Buckeye. Apparently, he thinks you're going to love this one. He says, Egg McMuffin or Chris sandwich? He, he feels like <laughs> J. Book. He says, I feel like J. Book would have some serious insight on this one.
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a hilarious question. If I had to choose right now, I'll, I'll pull up to a drive through and they say, right now, what would you like? Give me the croissant sandwich. I'm a croissant guy. I like I like a nice crispy one. Uh egg McMuffin, it's pretty good, you know. The, I I enjoy it occasionally, but to me I just think a, a croissant, you know, if you can get a, a sausage egg and cheese croissant, which then I'm all in for that.
0: I love it. We're not even playing radio or playing podcast as it would be on today's show. Uh, we're just naturally disagreeing. Give me the egg McMuffin <laughs> over the croissant sandwich. I just McDonald's, uh, you know, you know, I, you know. Say what you will. I mean, they got their fries. I, their burgers are not the best, in my opinion. But man, their breakfast—it's hard to beat. Give me the egg McMuffin over the Burger King croissant sandwich. All right, let's move on. Nine three seven, Buck. You got—he's got that nine three seven area code. That means he's a Dayton guy. We like that. Couple from him that we're going to get to. He has five, and all we'll get to two of them. Uh, first one, Jay Book. Well, Luke Montgomery's decision? By the way, Luke Montgomery, number one player in the state of Ohio, as knows I'm sure know by now. Picked Ohio State yesterday, one of the top offensive linemen in the country. Number one player in the state of Ohio. Picked the Buckeyes yesterday in the 2023 class. Jay Book, will Luke Montgomery's decision help with his younger brother's decision?
1: I, I definitely think it's going to help. I mean, why wouldn't it? I mean, you if, if these guys want to play together as brothers, and right now the older Montgomery at his Ohio State, and for him to commit this early in the process tells you that he's pretty much sold on Ohio state where he wants to be. So that gives him enough opportunity to recruit his brother there. But I I don't see any reason why his brother wouldn't want to play with him, especially, you know, when, when you have parents that are wanting to travel to see their kids play, it makes life a whole lot easier for the parents if they can just go to one school and, and keep the cost down when it comes so wanted to see both kids play together
0: we'll get to one more from 937 buck J book which player is going to be the cj hicks of the 2023 class and be the vocal recruiter he says cj did an amazing job of building relationships amongst the recruits i agree with
1: that i think that's a good question who's going to be the cj hicks of this class will it be luke montgomery perhaps I, I think it's going to be Luke. I mean, one, one thing that you have to have in order to be the vocal leader is, you one, you need to be a national guy, meaning that you're going to be on those circuits with all of the other high-end recruits. That was what CJ was able to do. He was a, he was a national name, a top 100 guy. And so when it came to the Army All-American and all of those camps, he was out there helping to recruit and get Ohio State name out there. So with that being said, I think no brainer to me right now is Luke Montgomery. You're talking about a top 50 player in the country, number four offensive tackle in all of uh, college football, high school. I'm sorry, high school football. So he's going to be on those circuits with those guys. You only have, well, five commits right now. So there's still a lot of time for them to pick up some extra commitments from some guys with with potential leadership but if we're looking at today who's going to be the one who really spearheads the the recruiting efforts is going to be luke
0: i agree with you and by the way let's give a shout out to luke montgomery i feel like when the dean bill kerlick the fong steve wilfong and many others put in a crystal ball for a pick and then he picks the buckeyes we're all like okay yeah we knew that was gonna happen that's old news come on let's My fault. I mean, you know, I I should have led the show with this. I mean, even though we knew it was coming, what a great get for the Buckeyes getting Luke Montgomery yesterday.
1: Absolutely. And you're talking about the number one uh, player in the state of Ohio. It's a big get for Justin Fry. Obviously, Ohio State already had momentum um, with him. And then Fry came over and just pretty much sealed the deal. One of the first order of business, once he became the offensive line coach, was to reach out to Luke and build that rapport with him, and Luke and his family felt very comfortable, so just being able to get a high-end tackle this early in the recruiting process, and then you pair that with uh, Joshua Padilla out of Dayton, the number six guard in the country, so you're off to a pretty good start when it comes to trying to rebuild this offensive line. I know there's a lot of other top targets out there that they're going to try to get, but it was imperative that Ohio state at least comes out of this recruiting cycle with three, maybe four, uh, solid tackles here, because once you start having these guys that are currently on the roster starting to depart to the NFL, the depth starts to get a little bit shaky when it comes to true, pure tackles that are currently on the roster.
0: Amen to that. And again, I just didn't want to gloss over Luke Montgomery committing to the Buckeyes, even though we knew it was coming or we were 99.9% sure. What a great get. And, uh, Happy to have him as part of the Buckeye family. All right, a few more questions. Eh, probably about five or six more. I hope you got time, Jay Book. These are I, some good I, ones. Yeah, our guy, I got some time. Our guy, Kurt Kevin. And by the way, you got a lot of big fans. Kurt Kevin might be like, like on the short list of your biggest fans, which is saying a lot. I love how, how he does this. Last week, it was just with, with an X through it, Michigan, question mark, when we did this with backs last Wednesday. Um, today, it's just with Kurt Kevin. It's Big Ten doing away with divisions. Go. What do you think should I happen? Love-
1: I love it. Do it. Uh, You know, Kevin, I I would say if if uh, they can do this, this will be the first time that Kevin Warren does anything when it comes to the Big Ten that I actually agree with. The Big Ten East is is currently lopsided compared to the West. The West has never won a Big Ten championship uh, in the in the actual game. So if you're going to drop the schedule down to eight games and you want to start implementing some of these games when it comes to the alliance with the Pac-12 and the ACC, drop it to eight to match the uh, SEC scheduling model. But go ahead and do away with the the divisions. I know there's going to be some traditionalists out there that, that won't like this because it could give you the opportunity for a Michigan versus Ohio State rematch in the Big Ten Championship and I don't mind it. I'm the type of person that said, bring it on. If we need to beat them twice, then so be it. The misery from them will be just as sweeter. And plus, you'll be able to uh, chop down the years what it would take in order to pass them in the overall uh, rivalry uh, records. So do away with the divisions because it, it makes too much sense because it gives – if you're going to do a 12-team playoff day – doing away with the divisions gives the Big 10 the opportunity to get multiple teams in because if you're if you're just going to have the the Big 10 West out there and if, for whatever reason they upset one of the Big 10 East champions the Big 10 West is going to the playoffs they could be you know a, a 8 and 4 9 and 3 team and then your Big 10 East team is is pretty much out of it but I just think that if you do away the divisions, it gives you the opportunity to get more teams in. Our next question
0: comes from Chip Munn, paraphrasing. Chip wants to know, Jay book if the Buckeyes were hosting a college football playoff game, would you rather it be at Ohio Stadium or Lucas
1: Oil Stadium? Regards to Chip for the question. Jay book your answer. That's, that's a great question, Chip. And. Uh, I've been going back and forth on Twitter this week about that especially after Gene Smith came out and said that he would prefer if that situation came about that Ohio State would move their first round playoff game to Indy and I put the question out there to Twitter and say hey you know what what do you guys think and we're I think I'm up to four thousand or so votes and 80, like 81%, 82% of the people voting said they will want to keep it in Columbus. And I agree with that. I mean, people act like the game will be in the frozen tundra up in Lambeau or or something like that. Columbus is mild, 40 degrees. Weather is not going to be as bad. Uh, It's two weeks. It will be two weeks after the Michigan game. And to me, I look at the small business owners in the area. They They will benefit greatly if Ohio State was able to host a playoff game, the hotels, the bars, the restaurants, the, the clothing stores, that would just help generate extra rev- revenue for the local economy. And taking that away would be a shame. I know a lot of people talk about the Ohio State uh, home field advantage is pretty much no longer existent there. It's not as loud as other venues. But you give me an SEC team that comes up to Columbus with a 20-degree difference, they're going to fill it, even though – People say, hey, we're we're an offense that's built for a fast track. My whole motto is you play within the conditions that you're able to play with. Trying to dictate the terms of what you're going to play in is just not how I grew up watching football or play football. If we have weather, so be it. People point to the Michigan game and say, oh, look at that weather but you've beaten Michigan's butt for 20 years. They get the one win and then people are saying, Oh, we we need to play on the fast track. No, you need to have a defense that's going to be able to stop someone. If Ohio State was able to get get some stops against Michigan, they were on the verge of putting up 30 some points against Michigan on the road in snow, bad weather, but they couldn't get any stops. Michigan's sole purpose was their sole purpose was to keep the ball out of Ohio State's hands. And how do you do that? You do that by controlling the clock and running the ball down their throats until Ohio State can prove that they can stop it. And they weren't able to do it. And if they were able to get some stops, then you put up 30-some points on the road if you're able to get the, the possession, the extra two or three more times. That's not weather. That's just Ohio State needs to get better on the defensive side of the football and become a more complete football team.
0: That's damn right. Very well said. And if, yeah, if there is a college football playoff game and and Ohio State has the chance to host, definitely give me that game at the Horseshoe as opposed to Lucas Oil Stadium, regardless of the weather. Very well said.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this, Dave. Doesn't that make the program look soft, man? I mean, you, you will pretty much be the only football program in the country with the opportunity to host. A home playoff game, and you just say, Hey, I'm we want to go to a neutral field. That kind of plays into the stereotype that this is a finesse type of program. You think Michigan's gonna move a home game out of there? You think Wisconsin or Iowa? No, they're gonna they're gonna give the SEC some of these body blows and let them deal with this uh elements that they're not used to and actually use. Your environment and your home crowd as a home field advantage. You, I mean, pretty much any NFL team north of the Mason Dixon line—they're playing in similar conditions for the next, you know, four or five weeks in the NFL. I know these players aren't paid, but when the stakes are this high, put me in Ohio, put me in in, in the shoe against one of these SEC teams in December, and let's see how it shakes out.
0: You and I are in complete agreement on this. Jay book. I I do think it's important to point out. I think Gene's comments were misconstrued a little bit. If you go back and watch, I think he was talking about the big 10 as a whole and talking about it as a backup plan. Again, you and I could not agree more on this subject. I want to make that clear, but to defend Gene, I think he was talking about like, okay, let's say we have it scheduled. Let's say Wisconsin makes the playoffs and he, by the way, he made it clear that we're eventually going to have a 12 team playoff in case anybody wasn't sure about that. Like he basically made it clear. I don't think it's going to be 10 years you know, from now until that happens, but he made it pretty clear that that will be coming down the pike. So let's say like Madison, Wisconsin is scheduled to host a game and the weather is just ridiculously bad. He's basically saying, eh, we, we should have the option of moving it to Lucas oil. First of all, I disagree with that. I think you should keep it in Madison, Wisconsin, just like you would keep it in green Bay. If the Packers were playing. And I think they were misconstrued a little bit. I really think Gene was taken off guard by that. I think he was well-prepared for the press conference as a whole yeah, this is me defending Gene Smith. I, I actually think he's done a great job overall. Early in his tenure, I was critical of him. I do want to point that out, and I'm going to get your thoughts on that. I do feel like he wasn't just saying, listen, if we have a home game in the college football playoff, when we expand, if it's Ohio Stadium or Lucas Oil Stadium, I'd prefer it to be in Lucas Oil Stadium. I don't think that's what he was saying. I think it was a
1: little misconstrued. Your thoughts? I just don't know how you would be able to do it logistically with the coats. I mean, the, it's the NFL schedule. The NFL is not going to base their scheduling around what potentials could happen when it comes to college football. And then logistically with the hotel rooms and stuff, what are you going to say? Hey, the week of the game, we're going to look ahead for a seven day forecast and it's potentially calling for snow. So let's move it over to. Indianapolis, and then all of a sudden, fans are trying to scramble at the last minute to reserve rooms and and try to get tickets there instead of the actual uh, facility that the game was going to be hosted. I just don't know how you can navigate something based off potentially having bad weather. Get you you know what I mean? Like yes, because because you're right.
0: What are you going to do? Like the week before the game, when everybody has hotels and stuff. This is this is exactly what I was saying. You're totally right. Like. You couldn't like the week before the game move a playoff game. Like everybody would need hotels and plane reservations and rental car reservations and everything else that goes with it. Logistically, like you said, I just feel like Gene didn't think it through. I'm just trying to have his back on this one. Cause I think yeah. now I think if he thought it through, he's like, listen, I didn't say like, we wouldn't want to host it. I was just saying if it's inclement weather, but you're right. Let's just move on. You're right. He should have handled it better. No doubt about it. You're right. All right, let's move on. All right. Spin doctor. Um, he basically wants to know Jay book. Um, again, paraphrasing, would we prefer the Big Ten to stay at nine conference games or would we like to see eight conference games and then maybe another cool out of conference game? He's basically asking, do so we want the ninth game to be Ohio State-Purdue or would we like it to be Ohio State-Stanford or Ohio State-Florida State? Something like that. Nine
1: conference games or eight conference games? Where are you at? I'm an eight conference game only because that's what the SEC model. Motto- is if we're going to try to compete with them, then I say go to a conference game, and it does give you the opportunity to have one of these marquee games. I would much rather watch Ohio State versus Florida State type of game as opposed to Ohio State versus Purdue. That's just me. Uh, I may get criticized by people who will say, hey, they like the tradition of the Big Ten, but I just think that as far as college football, it would be a whole lot more fun to see Ohio State travel into facilities and areas of the country that you normally wouldn't be able to see them because you know, Ohio state's going to travel extremely well. If they're going to, if they're going to do that, then I would just like to see them match what the SEC's doing when it comes to eight games. But with that being said, I am not for scheduling a cupcake in November, the week before the Michigan game, like you see the SEC does when they, when they trot out some of these teams to just take an absolute slaughter the week before the rivalry games, I'm not for that. If you're going to do the eight games, at least keep it playing some relatively power five conference games that will be somewhat interesting.
0: I don't want to leave our subscribers out, so I'll combine these next two. Borny twenty two wants to know basically, have we ever left an Ohio State game early? My answer to that is hell no. J book can get into that if he's ever left an Ohio State <laughs> game early. And also, J C S S four five four wants to know if there's any push to begin spring. Football in the state of Ohio. I haven't heard anything. There should be, but I to answer your question, I don't think there is a push. There should be, but Jay Buck, have you ever left an Ohio State game early?
1: I've never. I've never left an Ohio State game early. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride it out to the very end there. Uh, So that's a no for me. And when it comes to uh, the the spring ball, I mean that's been a talk for uh, since I was in high school and (laughs) and nothing, and and nothing, nothing's moved there. So I don't suspect that anything's going to happen anytime soon. there. Ohio state, the, the, the Ohio athletic association, they definitely need to catch up with modern times. They're so behind the times. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, what's it going to hurt to have these kids going out there doing some seven on seven just to polish up? I don't know. I I just think that they're outdated and I don't see them changing anytime soon until new leadership, new, uh, innovative, younger leadership come in there and take the
0: reins. And by the way, guys can be Deion Sanders in the spring. They can play two sports. Like if you're like a really good baseball player and you play in the football team, Listen, you don't have to pick sides. You're on the baseball team. You can go participate in seven on seven when you can. You're not going to miss a baseball game. If you're a great track and field athlete this spring, you're not going to miss a meet, but you can still have spring. We can have both. Okay. We can have both. They, Cause I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, if we have spring football, then baseball players are not. No, no, no. We can have both. We don't need helicopters like Dion, but we can <laughs> have both. There's no doubt about it. All right. Silver streak wants to know. Given what we know, Jay Book, about the other Big Ten coaching contracts, how much money is Ryan Day worth? What's his next contract? How much? How, how much is he going to top out at? Are we talking
1: ten million here? Nine million? I, I think they're probably going to get him in the nine million range. What do you think, Dave? I mean, yeah. Can, I, yeah, Ohio State. Ohio State typically doesn't like to be the one that sets the market, but I know like a lot of people accused Gene of being a penny pincher and I think that was the case several years ago but with the way things are going when it comes to contracts I think Gene has really opened up the checkbook you can see the way he's paying the assistance the way he gave Ryan Day pretty much a blank check to go get Jim Knowles and, and Ohio State is about to be rolling in the dough I was just reading the other day that mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. expecting that the Big Ten Network is going to be pushing one billion dollars a year to be divvied up to all the Big Ten teams once the, the new contract comes up for renegotiation because they're looking at potentially spreading it over multiple platforms. So if you're talking about a billion dollars and that's just going to continue to grow as, as the game of college football grows, then there's no reason why Ryan Day shouldn't at least be in the $9 million mark. I, I'm not sure he's going to be – up if he, if he can win a national championship um, and, and get Ohio State to be a predominant – uh, year in, year out, just dominant force in college football, then you, sh- then you should start talking about making him probably the second highest paid coach behind Nick Saban. But for now, the market is saying that he should be at least at the 8 to 10 range. So I think a 9 would be a pretty pretty good offer if Gene was to make it.
0: Now, our guy Fox R 2001. We're not going to answer his question on today's show, but just want to give him a shout out. We're probably going to do a whole show about this. He basically wants to know a top 10 list. I'll David Letterman top 10 favorite Buckeyes top 10 favorite Buckeye games, top 10 favorite ind- individual moments for the Buckeyes top 10 wins. Guess what? That'll be a topic for an entire show during the summer when we have nothing to talk about. Um, Fox <laughs> R 2001. We love you, man. Um, we will definitely get to that on a future show. Let's move right along. Bucks grad is trying to kiss J book's ass here. Buck's grad says J book <laughs> is the best I know to touch on this. He leads it off with J book is the best I know to touch on this. He's not lying. So <laughs> again, paraphrasing defensive backs when you're defending the pass. Okay. And you know, coaches can teach it both ways and, and it depends on the play. I know you're going to get into that, but like, you know, generally speaking is it best to turn your head and look for the ball or is it best to play the wide receiver and kind of like, you know you know punch up through his arms just break that down what's the best approach for a db
1: well th- those are two the two predominant ways that college dbs teach it and it just depends on the actual position coach i know that some coaches prefer i uh, prefer you know playing the hands as the hands go up then you're reading the wide receivers eyes and then you're punching through the football other ones don't like that um Some of them believe that you don't see the football, that you're more susceptible of giving up big plays. You're more susceptible of pass interference because you're not getting your head around and you're less likely to get your hands on a football. Me personally, I'm a big proponent of see ball, get ball. If the ball's in the air, I want my defensive backs to be able to be able to hawk, hawk that football down, go get the ball, make plays. If you can create turnovers, you're going to help the offense. But if you don't know where the football is at, then you're going to see a lot of situations where we saw under Greg Shiano where the defensive backs had no idea where the football was at and guys were just coming up over top of them making plays and it absolutely drove me crazy. Uh, So I'm a a strong proponent of turn around and get your eyes on the balls to make a play. The counter argument to that is they don't want you to do that because they believe that you can lose phase – on the wide receiver, meaning that the wide receiver can create separation from you because you're losing track of where he's actually at. But at the end of the day, the ball is going where the ball is going to go, regardless of where the wide receiver is at. So if you're getting your head around and you can locate the football, then that's what I would typically prefer because the odds are you're going to have a lot more success creating a turnover or getting uh, a pass breakup as opposed to punching through uh, the hands and following the eyes as the wide receiver is trying to make a play.
0: My friend, you ready for the last question here on the Bucknuts morning 25 ready for the last one. Let's do it. This comes from our guy, Dominus. Let's give a shout out to Dominus. He's not only a loyal listener, he posts in like every thread on the show. Not only does he not miss a show, he's always posting and always positive stuff. There's a lot of negative things you could post about the show. Dominus is always posting positive stuff, always listening. So we appreciate Dominus. All right. Best for last. Dominus is asking, J-Book, what are your thoughts and preferences regarding the offensive line? Do you like the four tackles in a center or do you like the traditional two tackles, guards in a center? What are the pros and cons of both?
1: Yeah, I hated the four tackles. It was an epic failure for the simple fact you weren't able to establish that line of scrimmage when it came to the run game. It, we we were too high. We, were, we weren't getting the leverage that you needed in order to blow people off the football. So I'm more of a, tra- a traditionalist. Give me my two guards that are going to be the big belly guys. Their sole job is to blow people off the football. That's what they know. That's what they do. That's what they've been taught their entire career so I'm more of the lines of give me the two tackles a center two guards and let's line up and be able to be a balanced football team our 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 inconsistencies when it came to running the football was because of the tackles there and the, the thought logic was try to get the four best guys and in the end I truly believe that decision probably cost stud his job because we weren't able to run the ball when the time needed, so you saw a lot of times where Ryan Day just completely abandoned the run game because we weren't able to establish the line, so now that we're going to actually go back to the traditional set, I'm looking for Justin Fry to greatly improve the actual run game and start to see this Ohio State offensive line get back into the mode where they bully people up front, that's what we need to do, be able to be balanced, uh, not only be an efficient and uh, air raid type of passing offense, but have the capability to pick up those second and second and two third and one type of yardage that we struggled with this past year
0: at the risk of pushing this to a 30 minute podcast. All right, let's finish the show real quick with this. So I think the offensive line, I think, you know, Dominus is going to get his wish. Jay book Matt Jones is going to be the starting left guard. You know, I think Donovan Jackson is going to be the starting right guard. So those are two guards right there. I think it's going to be Paris Johnson left tackle. I think it's going to be Matt Jones left guard, Luke Whippler center, Donovan Jackson, right guard, DeJuan Jones, right tackle. I think that's going to be the starting offensive line. Your thoughts?
1: I agree with you, and I think it's going to be a heck of an offensive line, and you definitely have some of those younger guys uh, behind them. I'm curious to see what Harry Miller's going to do once he gets healthy, how that's going to actually play out. But I agree with that starting lineup. And just want to say thanks to all all the guys on the board for posing those questions. So it was definitely fun going through and answering them. So I appreciate them participating on the board no doubt about that thank you to everybody
0: who submitted questions thank you to the great jonah booker he is much beloved for a reason thank you jay book thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning the show we appreciate you guys very much if you like the show give us a five-star review like subscribe all that good stuff it really helps thanks again to jay book thanks again to all of you hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend let's hear the Buckeye swag best damn band in the land (laughs)